What up, folks? This is your boy, the Pittsburgh Golf Hack, and you're listening to the official podcast. I'm Garen. And I'm Rich. And you're listening to Episode 7. The Sour Cranberry. Oh, Rich, it's been a busy month, brother. We've been playing a lot of golf. We have, and uh, I don't know about you, but I've been playing some good golf as of late. Uh, got some things ironed out, um, but I think today might not be the day to discuss whether we're playing good or bad. We've got some stuff uh, course-related and uh, general service-related uh, to talk about. So, yeah, you, know, well, you said you had you said you had you said you had some stuff before that, but uh, we'll preview what's to come. Yeah, we'll, we will dive into the service piece uh, of, of that conversation a little later. But uh, first off, before we get too far into this, we usually hang on to this for the last bit. But uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, you can follow the Pittsburgh Golf Hack on Facebook and also check out the YouTube channel under the same name. And also, if you want to follow on Instagram and Twitter, it's at PGHGolfHack. So I just wanted to put that little plug out there if this is your first time on the channel. Uh, put all the social media plugs out there at the beginning. But uh, before we get too involved, I want to rewind uh, a little bit back to episode three, Rich. Oh, no. So going back to episode three, which would have been uh, around the April, matter of fact, to be perfectly uh, dead on, I think it was April 16th. When we released that okay. episode. All right. But uh, if we recap to episode three, you and I had made a little friendly wager. A little wager. You, you recall what that was? Uh, so I remember balls. Was it was it golf balls, right? Well, I, I hope we're talking about golf balls. <laughs> <laughs> what always, the, cup, always cup the balls. <laughs> Yes, we were talking about golf balls. Golf balls were involved. so uh, We're also talking about practice. If you recall, our friendly wager was that, well, let's just, let's just play the, let's just insert the clip here. Sounds good. And then, right. uh, so, well, while we're, while we're let's, let's float this out. Let's take the last three, four minutes of the podcast to float this out there. What about, so... We're not. I'm. I'm a few points lower than you, handicap wise. Um, what are you right now? Uh, fifteen three, I think. Okay, so I'm a nine four. <sighs> Let's say by the end of July, whoever shaved the most points legitimately off of their handicap, and I'll 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 play your game because we had a discussion about you know I I'll, I'll play it you know, down the middle. Um, we had a discussion about, you know, what constitutes a handicap capable, handy capable round, handicapable round. Um, I'll, I'll play it according to USGA rules and whoever shaves the most points off of their handicap, um, buys the other a dozen balls. I can go for that. that, I that love it. That, that's the, that's the, uh, we'll start there, but I think that the, so, Rich, as you heard in the clip, uh, the, the friendly wager was that whoever would lower, whoever reduced their handicap by the most strokes by the end of July would be basically given a dozen balls from the other person of their, of their choosing. Of their choice. Of their choice. So, uh, as you heard in the podcast, uh, that little clip there, I was at a 15.3, mm-hmm. and you were at a 9.4. So I went in and checked the handicaps this morning, and I am currently at a 13.9, and according to your again, you are at a 9.5. I am. I have, I have raised a, a .1. So it looks like I owe you some golf balls, my friend. You do. You 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 do. I do have some free golf balls coming my way. I will say I'm not going to be mean to you. I'm not going to make you go get me some Titleist Pro V ones and pay. 50. I would have. I would have. I would have done it. <laughs> I would have bought you Pro Vs. No, no, not not going to do that to you. 
I uh, so the ball I've been playing actually lately and and really liking it is actually the Max Fly Soft Fly. Cool. Okay. That's oh, that's I, that's my ball of choice. I think they're twenty bucks a box. Um, I think I can ta- I think I can take care of a dozen of those for you. All right. Yeah. Just I mean just a little plug on that. Um, you know I've played a lot of different golf balls. Never have been a Pro V One fan. You know that. Yep. Um, whereas I play, I like playing a lot of Callaway golf balls and you, you don't like playing the Callaway golf balls as well. So, um, but I've been, you know, as you know, I've tinkered with the Kirkland signature ball, which is a great ball. We both, it is, uh, go ahead, Rich. Good. Go ahead <laughs> the, admit it. Li- listen, the V, the V2 is one of the, one of the softest, better spinning golf balls that I hit that, that I've ever hit. Like the V1 is really, really good too. Don't get me wrong. But for my swing speed, I swing just a little bit lower than than you're like than a guy like Jeff. Um, I swing just a little bit slower, and that V2 man for my swing speed, where I'm in that 107 to 110 mile an hour uh, swing speed, it's it's just right in my alley. It feels great, spins great. Pretty happy about it. Um, I thought you'd I, like I'm, it. I thought I thought you'd like it when I gave you a dozen. You were skeptical I'm still, at first, but. I'm still gaming them. I they're they're in the bag right now. Yeah, they they are a good ball. The uh, the the newest version of it wasn't quite to my liking, but they're they're it, it's still a good golf ball nonetheless. But right. Um, but I started gaming that Maxfly Softfly, and it, you know, it it's not, you know, it's not a higher end ball, uh, but it just it feels good. I'm getting the proper spin off of it around the greens. Um, I'm just able to work it really well. And um, it seems to be working for me. But, yeah, just keep in mind, folks, it, a golf ball is, is something – it is a big difference. And depending on yep. – it, it's all – there's a level of personal preference to it, but there's also a level of – you know, we talk about getting fit for golf clubs. There is such a thing as getting fit for a golf ball. Finding a golf ball that fits your game is – it's a big piece of the pie. There's uh so there's some guys on YouTube that I watch. I'm a, it, it, you guys haven't figured it out yet. I'm a golf nerd. Um, there's a guy. There's a group of guys called the TXG Tour Experience, and um, they 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 fit in essence just about everything: clubs, balls, um, different shafting options, grips, the anything that you can customize on on um, on a golf club or golf ball they they test right and um the guys there say that getting f- properly quote unquote fit for a golf ball is one of the most important things and one of the biggest game changers um that you can do outside of going and getting a full um club fitting and it's the best bang for your buck um fitting out there because a ball fitting is a very inexpensive thing you just got to find the right person to do it or um like for me i know my swing speed um i know that i tend to dig a little bit which i where where i dig into the ground a little little bit it means i'm steeper where i'm steeper i generate more spin so i don't want to have a super 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 soft ball i want to have a, a you know a tour level uh, premium golf ball with a soft cover, and that's what I've got. I'm I'm playing right now. My my three big faves. Uh, one remains the same. I've been playing it for two years, and that's the Strixon Z Star. Uh, an extremely great value for the money, and I think it is. It's it's for me. It's head and shoulders above a Pro V. I'm not a Pro V guy either. Um, B that Kirkland man, <laughs> you can't beat it. And then <laughs> C, my wife got me. Uh, my wife got me five dozen Vice Pros for uh, for our anniversary. I mentioned that a couple podcasts back, and you know what? Um, they they stand right up to the Strixons with me. So um, you're absolutely right, G. Um, getting getting fit for the right golf ball and finding the right golf ball for you is really important, whether you're hitting a noodle or whether you're hitting a Pro V1. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, and I'm I'm glad to hear those those uh, Vice Pros are working. I saw them on the shelf the other day. I think it was actually the I think is there a Vice Pro Plus that comes in like a yep. gold box? Yeah. So uh, the the Vice the Vice Pro is a uh, is a Pro V1. The Vice Pro Plus is a Pro V1X. It's just uh, a little bit harder. Okay. Yep. That's that's all the 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 uh, Pro Plus is. 
Um, I'm a little bit, like I said, I'm a little bit slower swing speed than, than a guy like Jeff who, who would play the, the, the pro plus, um, my buddy Josh plays, uh, pro pluses and he hits the ball 320 yards. He's a big dude. He's six, four, 260 pounds. He used wow. to play fo- He was, he was a football player at Fairmont state. Um, he plays the pro plus exclusively. He loves them. So, okay. um, Vice makes a great golf ball, man. You should you should give them a shot. How, how's the durability? I've heard that that's been a little bit of a pain point for some people. Um, so I I I actually got to test it uh, two weeks ago. Was it two weeks? Yeah, two weeks ago at a course called Mountain View. Uh, really beautiful course. Had a great evening. Um, but got to play out of some sand there, and um, you know what? No scuffs. Uh, they held up really well. I can tell you that they hold up really well down here in the down here in the the tri-state valley, uh, where we don't have a whole lot of sand. Um, I, I I've had virtually no uh, durability issues with it. So, okay. I guess it all depends on where you play. If you play out of a lot of sand, any golf ball is going to scuff up quick. Yeah, I'd he- I'd heard a lot of things about like staining and uh, discoloration no. of the cover pretty quickly, but okay. No, no, haven't haven't had an issue. Haven't had an issue with it at all. I have a, uh, I played. I took a. I opened a brand new sleeve at Mountain View and played two of those three balls all round, and they. I I I'll play. They're sitting on the top of my my little ball pocket in my in my bag, and I'll play them again this weekend. All right. Well, that's cool. That that's good information to share with the folks. But um... not a sponsor, by the way. Right. Yeah, not a sponsor. Hey, Vice, <laughs> if uh, you happen to hear this, holler at your boy. Yeah. We got a we got like, a got a trial. We got a uh, trial expert over here. I would <laughs> yeah, I would love to lose a bunch of your golf balls. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, oh man, going back to the handicap discussion. So I, I was looking at something a little bit earlier today um, that kind of piqued my interest, and. And you've been putting in your scores, you know, pretty religiously, as as have I. And you know, I was looking at your scores and everything in there, and everything, everything looks, it looks normal. Like I don't see yeah. anything that's in there. Right. But the interesting thing to me is like when me and you go out and play, like I don't feel like that there is that much of a difference between mine and your games, but yet there's a huge handicap difference. Right. And I, I started looking at something, and I feel that you're getting shafted a little bit by the USGA here. Oh, I am. Uh, this isn't something that we've talked about, but I think I know the direction you're going. Go ahead, man. I, I'll, I'll make my comment once you say what you're going to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I started looking at it. <clears throat> now, granted, you do have some rounds in the 70s, which we've talked about. You know, Riviera is not a difficult course, but the handicap system, it reflects that, right? It Right. It, it it reflects it by computing. Can't talk today. Computating. Compensate. Yeah. <laughs> computating a um, or calculating a, a what we call a differential. So it looks at what you scored and it subtracts the course rating from it and multiplies it by 113. Which don't ask me where that number, where USGA came up with that number from. Who knows. Um, but it means something, and then it divides it by the slope rating of the course. So, you know, that gives you a differential, which is essentially what your handicap is based off of, and that that differential is basically how you played to the course. Sure. So, and like I said, you had a few rounds in the 70s in there, but, you know, it did calculate for that, but you had one particular round that stood out a little bit better than the others, but I went back and looked at your your last or your best four differentials all right so you had a differential of a 9.8 and an 11.5 and 11.8 and a 12.3 so those were your four lowest if i go and look at mine i have an 11.8 a 12.7 a 13 and a 14 all right your out of those four average differentials, your average differential was an 11.35. Mm-hmm. Okay, mine was a 12.88, which gives us a, an average differential between the two of us of about 1.53. So, stroke and a half better on your side. Sure. 
the kicker to that is you have a hard cap on your handicap. I do. Which is basically the USGA, what they try to do in their handicap system, I guess, is to prevent people from quote-unquote sandbagging, which we obviously know you're not trying to do because yours is lower than what you probably want it to be. Very much so. Um, but Not very much so, but it is lower than I want it to be. Yes. Right, right. So, like, you know, you're sitting at a 9.5, but you're, you've got a hard cap on your, on your handicap because they looked at the rounds that you've most recently entered, and they're like, well, wait a minute, that's too much movement upwards. So if mm-hmm. Rich was to go and play in a tournament today, we don't want him to be able to inflate his handicap because he's had some bad scores between, you know, between a certain period of time, and it moved too right. quickly. Right. Which, in all honesty, may have been your golf trip, to be oh, honest it, with you. It, it absolutely was my golf trip because it was a disaster. <laughs> right. So I, I think <laughs> that's when they put the hard cap on you. But you know, here's the thing, and, and I don't – I'm kind of defending you on this one. I don't necessarily agree with what USGA is doing with this hard cap because – so let me let me just throw you a little a little exercise here. If I take your best round out of that 9.8 and I replace it with your next up score, so your next higher one above that 12.3 was a 12.6. Okay. If I take the 9.8 out and replace that with a 12.6, that now puts you at a 12.05 differential, which puts me and you within a differential difference of 0.83 of each other. About a stroke, which is spot on. Which is, is actually less than a stroke. So, I mean, I would say that that's spot on. And the reason I bring this up is I feel like that you're kind of getting shafted here because let's say, I mean, I would truly believe that, and you would probably agree because you've been traveling to some courses and what's not. You've even made the comment like, I'm not a traveling nine. I'm a traveling 15. Right. And, and so because you've been honest and putting your rounds in you really should probably be if i'm a 13.9 you should probably be a 13.1 and, right. and i agree with that and you're getting shafted because if you were to go play in a tournament today you're already a nine. you're already as a at a four stroke of almost a four stroke disadvantage going into any competition right which is one of the reasons why i don't play especially here in west virginia um I don't play in handicapped events. Right. Um, it's 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 just a lot of people like I use my handicap, and we've talked about this before, and we've talked a bit about this offline. That I use my handicap as a measuring stick for how much better or worse that I'm getting over the course of a year, right? And there are a lot of people who use that handicap to go out and put themselves in the wrong flight dominate the flight to win and that's not something that i do i like if i'm gonna go play in a tournament i'm gonna go play like i would rather play straight up and get killed by a four handicap knowing that he's a true four and i'm a true 13 right right right. i would i would much rather get beat by you know seven eight strokes you know by a true four and, and me being a true 13, playing straight up because I know that that's a straight up thing. So a lot of the tournaments that, that I've played in and the, the, the last tournament of the year coming up uh, that I'll be playing in, that's October 2nd and 3rd, um, it's flighted after the first day. So it, it solely depends on your first day score. But uh, there's a cap on that as well. If you can't do any better than, I want to say it's either 9 or 11 strokes, um, or you DQ yourself, um, you can't be not, it's either nine or 11 strokes better than your first day because it's a, that's, that's a, a very big, like, it's sandbagging. Know, yeah. You're, you're, you're sandbagging at that right, point. Right. Um, so, you know, I, we had that conversation before, like, like you said, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I'm not a traveling, I'm not a traveling nine. I'm not a traveling nine and a half. 
Um, I'm somewhere in that 12, 13 range and I'm okay with that. I I've always said, if I can, if I can float 10 to 12, like true 10 to 12, I'll be happy, super happy. Um, and then my stretch goal will be to get under 10, right? Oh yeah. I mean, there, there's people, trust me, there's people that would kill to be under a 15 handicap. So, I mean, you know, have either of us lit the world on fire this year no not really but i think we've both made progress but this the crappy thing with this hard cap this is where i was going with this is to your point you try to use your handicap to to show that you're improving or not improving and it's really hard for you to even use it as a tool when they're putting this cap on there because you know where i would be the rounds you've you've put in i might be moving a whole two points on they're not allowing you to move upwards because it's too many it's too many strokes difference so they're putting this cap on there so it's hard for you to use the tool as it was kind of intended to be used mm-hmm. and making it difficult for for you to track your progress but yeah i think you know this is one of the things and I'm, I'm not griping about the usga because i know that i know why they did it you know it was for the sandbagging aspect of it and sure you gotta have some controls but i wish that there was a way that they could put in you know have a plane handicap and have a tournament handicap because 100 percent. if your tournament handicap which to be honest with you is really not needed anyway because it in my opinion the tournament committees can look at your history they, they sure. can look at your, if you're a USGA established handicap, they should be able to go into the system, see your handicap history, and make a determinant as to whether or not they want to put a cap on you, period. Right, right, absolutely. Le- leave it to the tournament committee. But anyways, I'll get off my soapbox with that, but I thought, uh, you know, for some of the listeners, if you're not that involved with handicaps, I thought it was a good discussion for you all to see how yeah. your handicap can be impacted. So so I want to add one more really quick thing too because I I think that our our show is is kind of geared toward um you know folks who are probably just starting out in the game and and you're kind of learning your way and feeling your way through and and before I go any further than here please if you have questions about anything that we're talking about reach out to us we're, we're we are educated enough we may not be the greatest golfers in the world but we are educated enough and we both have a love for the game uh enough to where like we'll sit down and com- and compose a well thought out answer for you and try to help you along that's that's that that that's our stewardship to the game as golfers who have played for you know quite some time, you know we want we want to grow the game. We want to grow more people into the game, you know uh, that that want to to legitimately get better. Um, but I digress there. So the your handicap being a measure of how how much better or how much worse you've gotten over the course of the year is only one kind of tool in the bag. I can tell you now that I am a better player today than I was on August 20th last year. Um, my iron, my iron play is better. My wedge play is better. I read greens better. I have a better feel for my putter. Um, I, in, in very recently I made a a change in the bag that, that has straightened out a very erratic driver. So I'm moving in. I know that I'm moving in the right direction despite my handicap, not moving. Um, and I, once the once the hard cap drops off, I think we'll see me move up to somewhere in the neighborhood of an eleven or twelve, and that's that's pretty true, right? Like if, especially yeah. if I'm playing down here the majority of the time, um, I should be ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I, I think it will. Um, it's just an unfortunate circumstance that you you've got to deal with for the time being, but it, it will eventually because. Every round you put in, it, it drops an old one off, and eventually, right. eventually, it will correct itself. But uh, agreed. But anyways, so so speaking of getting better and uh, competing and things of that nature, um, I have competed for the last uh, last couple weeks um, locally here in Pittsburgh, 
and uh, most recently went up and played, was very privileged, I might add, to go up and play a private course up in Hermitage, PA, that some of you may have heard of. It is the Old Sharon Country Club that is now called Avalon at Buell Park. Um, if you're not familiar with the Avalon courses, so Avalon is a company that's been going around the northern PA and um, I guess you would say kind of northern Ohio area. Okay, and and cool. buying, they've been buying up a lot of private courses, basically, you know, turn them over to, to basically market them better to a, a wider, I guess, membership group. Uh, and they've done a really good job, but they've also done a really good job with, you know, upgrading facilities, maintaining their, you know, the courses in great shape. And let me tell you, man, this course was, the course was beautiful. It was in great condition, but it wasn't one of those courses that was going to penalize, penalize you to the point that it was not enjoyable like um the course set up you've, you've played a course before that you just go to the course and as soon as you step on the tee box you're like i really like the way that this sets up for my game and and that's essentially how this course was it was it was challenging um mm -hmm. but at the same time it was very forgiving and if you could go out and execute you could you could have a really good score but um top-notch facility very high class i've played some really nice courses in my time one of which uh, my my best one is the greenbrier resort by far in west virginia oh yeah and the clubhouse of this place rich let me tell you it felt very greenbrier-esque wow that's that's a big deal i mean the the locker rooms looked like you were walking into a uh you know into a very high class resort the uh, the lounge and the pro shop and the, uh, you know, the, not the 19th hole, but the actual, I guess you'd say, restaurant in the clubhouse was very, very elaborate, very nice. Um, if you get a chance and you get a chance to go play the private club at Avalon at Buell Park, I highly, highly recommend it. It is a beautiful facility, but um, unfortunately, I did not go out and execute on that course. <laughs> hey, you listen, you can't have it all, right? You can't. I, I you know, I, I did enjoy the day. I will say I did enjoy myself. Um, I really enjoyed the experience. Great service, great staff up there at Avalon. Can't say enough nice things about them. And uh, I didn't do as bad as I, you know, have in the past. I shot a 92. Mm -hmm. But let me give you an interesting stat off of that 92. Okay. I hit 11 of 13 fairways. Wow. So not a lot of four right. <laughs> no. No. Driver was, was actually really good off the tee. I hit 11 cool. of 13 fairways. Okay. And I set myself up to in scoring position a lot, but I didn't execute. Hey, man. Hey, listen. Uh, so we, were talk we talked offline about this, and – um, I'm going to, I'm going to hijack you for just one second. Cause I think you'll, you, you'll segue into what you're getting ready to talk about. Um, so we, we mentioned the chasing scratch guys, uh, all the time. Um, they had, uh, I actually think I talked about this in July's, uh, podcast as well. So they had, they had the guy on there that, that had developed strokes gain strokes lost for the PGA. Right. And he was talking about, you know, if, if you're an amateur golfer, what's the one thing that he would tell you to do to get better today? And that would be to practice um, as an amateur golfer from 125 yards in. Um, because greens and reg are the most important thing that you can do as an amateur golfer. It doesn't matter where you hit the green, just hit the green. Right. Um, because it, it, it you can hit fairways all day, but if you can't, put the ball on the green, the best chance to get the ball in the hole is with a putter, right? Yeah. Um, what did, uh, I, I, oh gosh, I forget who, who it was. I, it's, it was Phil. So Phil actually says, if you're an amateur golfer, your goal is to keep the ball out of the air as much as humanly possible. The less time that the ball's in the air, the better chance you have of putting it in the hole. Meaning, uh, you want to be able to, to put in a, in as few strokes as you possibly can that's pretty deep i uh, hadn't really thought about it that way but you are 
Exactly right. And let me, it's funny you mention that because there, the way that this course set up, every green was protected to the left, right, and sometimes back. But every one of these greens had wide open access in front. You could literally roll it up the fairway and onto the green, which wow. is a, which is essentially what one of my playing partners did. And this guy, I don't want to say his name, but I, f- I found out through a little research that he actually played at Robert Morris back some time ago. Okay. And um, it was interesting because he, he was playing pretty good. And um, he was definitely, definitely on a, a whole other level than I was. But it was quite interesting because he was about 60 feet off the green, and this was on a par five. Okay. And he, now keep in mind, the grass is, this is a very well manicured golf course. So we're talking very, very tight lie fairway, very tight transition from fairway to green. Gotcha. We get ready to get out of the cart, and he laughs, and he says, I think it's Texas wedge time. Atta boy. And I just kind of laughed. I mean, like I said, he was about 60 feet off the green. And he pulls putter and putts it up the fairway and holes out for an eagle. Wow. I was impressed. I was like, dude, you, you're like Babe Ruth. You called your shot. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, so I, I play on some courses down here that, that are tighter around the greens, particularly Riviera since they, so they mowed at Riviera uh, and kind of changed the transitions just kind of for your information. Okay. And uh, I've started, I've started putting from off the green, several of the places that I play, obviously you can't do it all down here because you know, you're going to get that, that really tight or or that really fluffy rough uh, that'll catch a ball up. Um, But the, especially Riviera where I play the most, um, I'm telling you, man, I'm I'm just more confident if I'm just off the green. I, I don't know about 60 feet, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a big one. I'm not even mad. No, I'm I actually was, impressed. I was I was elated for the guy. I was like, holy crap! And he yeah. was just like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I planned it. <laughs> Hell yeah, I, yeah, it's just fun. I'll just I'll just pull this and and hole one out from you know 75 feet. It's it's good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But no, like, that it's. I've tr- I've tried to kind of play a little safer. Uh, you know, I'm trying to keep the ball out of the air. You and I had a conversation about um, wedge play not too terribly long ago, yep. and uh, you were like, you know, I'm 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 kind of learning and getting getting more of a feel with, uh, you know, flopping the ball up in the air, stopping it quick, and and I'm just I've I've tried to do that for so long and failed for so long that I've, I've completely rethought my wedge game and I'm playing, you know, kind of a chip and run, bump and run. Um, and if I play my most lofted clubs, I, I have learned to start playing that little one hop and stop, uh, as long as the, the lie will allow me to do it. So anyway, not to hijack your, your tournament round, we can move on, but, uh, you just no, made a really I, good point that I think that, that, that everybody wanted to maybe hear about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that the, uh, you know, with regards to the, sh- the short game, I, ha- I feel like short game is one of those those preference points, but mm-hmm. I, do, I do think everybody has a time and a place for every one of those shots, you know, whether it be a bump and run, whether it be a, you know, a high lofted wedge shot that you can get up there and get it to check up right next to the hole, which is, I mean, that's, that's what I love to do, but let's just face it. Sometimes, if you got a lot of green in front of you, that's not the smart play. It's not it, because you know you you underhit it and it checks, and then you've got a twenty footer for par. Right, right. So I mean, you know, you got to be smart about it, and having as many tools in your bag as as possible, I think, is a great thing. I just watched a video on Instagram, matter of fact, yesterday that I was just shaking my head at because it was literally. Phil Mickelson was on a, it was like a hillside elevated probably about 15 feet above the green, and there was a swell and and then rolled up onto the green. Right. And Phil, Phil hit one out of the rough and basically slam dunked it into the side of the, <laughs> the bank right in front of the green, and it hopped up and landed on the green and just stopped. Yeah. 
I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, this thing was a rocket, and it just checked into that hill, and it was saying, you know, the the check into the hillside is one of the hardest shots to hit in golf. But he executed flawlessly. I was like, I've never, I would have never thought to play that shot. It's a lot of imagination. It's a ton of imagination that that I don't necessarily have. Right. No, it, it was it was pretty impressive. But it just goes to show you that. You know, there's there's a lot of different ways to, to play different shots, but sure thing. So, anyways, getting back to the competition, uh, I played okay at, at Avalon. Like I said, I hit a lot of fairways, uh, misexecuted some shots. I had two four irons that I hit thin from the middle of the fairway that put me into the trees in trouble. Uh, I had another one where I hit one fat and then had to try to pull three wood. And, of course, you can probably imagine where that went. (laughs) But, uh, man, the tournament golf is just, it is so different and it gets in my head. And I could have pulled a pretty good round. So out of that 92, so going into the 18th hole, all I had to do was par the number 18 par 3 150 yards and i would have brought home an 89 okay out of that 89 that included a quadruple bogey that i had on a par 5 so i had one really bad blow up hole and if you take that bad blow up hole out of the equation i actually had a decent round going but Got on number 18. I looked at the scorecard. I'm like, okay, all I got to do is par this hole out. It's 150 yards, easy seven iron into the green. I did have to carry the water, but the the green was huge. Sure. Pl- plenty of target. What do I do? Top her right into the water. Oh, no. Yep. Topped her into the water. Had to take my drop, which was still on the back side of the water. Um, got nervous, got handsy, missed the green, put it in the bunker to the right-hand side and ended up triple bogey in the hole. So it happens, you know, the, the tournament nerves got to me, the, the heat of the moment. And that's, that's something I've got to work on. But, um, so in addition to the, the Avalon competition round that I had, right. I played another round just the week prior to that. And okay. and this is going to segue into the name of this episode, the Sour Cranberry. The Sour Cranberry. And folks, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, I've only heard bits and pieces of, of this experience. So uh, we get to get learn about this together. Hit me with this, Garen. So played in a competitive round at Cranberry Highlands. Uh, Cranberry Highlands, it's a, it is a... Let me preface this by saying this. It is a municipal course. Okay? Now okay. With, with that being said, it is a very high-end municipal course. If you are not a resident of Cranberry, you will be paying somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 75 bucks around. Okay. So, so this is high-end public. This is not like, you know, your, your run-of-the-mill podunk out in the middle of nowhere muni course this is the uh it's not a basketball shorts muni is that what you're saying yes <laughs> okay <laughs> which seems to be the trend these days but anyway it really does um with that being said it is a municipal course meaning it is paid for by taxpayer dollars so the taxpayers of cranberry are the ones that essentially fund this course um I'm going to preface this by also saying that I have never had a good experience with service at this course. Okay. Okay. I've had a a long-lasting history of bad service to the point where I don't go there. Um, I have, on more than one occasion, called to walk the course as a single. Because I figure it's a course that gets a lot of play. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I walk, I essentially would be keeping the pace of a foursome. So I should, in essence, be able to play, you know, play by myself and walk the course. Sure. No. So Cranberry has one price structure 
and it doesn't matter if you're walking or riding a cart, everybody pays the same price. That that's that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, they they actually discourage people walking, which incredible is incredible to me as well. So, I've called on more than one occasion to to walk the course, and when I tell them I'm walking, they'll go, "Okay, well, we have a threesome. We can pair you up at three thirty. I'm like, "But I'm walking," and they're like, "Yeah, and." Like, well, I don't want to hold a threesome up that doesn't even know me, and I'm going to be walking. And they're like, sure. you're getting paired up. And I said, okay. And they're like, we put 180 people through this course every day. You're getting paired up. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I thought there for a minute I'd called Oakmont Country Club. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> so so those, those are a couple of the experiences I've had with just trying to get on and walk. And then I had another time where me and a buddy of mine scheduled a tea time you know, as a twosome. And we get there, and they, they told us we were getting paired up. But I'm like, okay, not a big deal. Rich, they paired us up with, with two 70-year-old women. You're kidding me. No. Not, not that that, I mean, no, not great. That, yeah, I, 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 not that I don't want 70-year-old women to play the game of golf, but it, it – it's a different pace of golf and it's okay. I mean, I would think that two 70 year old women playing golf would be the equivalent of a foursome. So like, let them play alone. All right. Let them play alone and, you know, put me with, you know, somebody else, but no, they, they put me with these, these elderly women and our round was excruciating. I, I bet. I bet it was excruciating for them too. You know, you know, thinking, "Oh my gosh, we have to hurry up." You know, we, you know, these guys are going to run off and leave us. Yada yada yada. Yeah, I mean, very uncomfortable. And don't get me wrong, we had a great time. I have a great time with no matter who I get paired up with. And I've played with some really, really great older people in my life that uh, have ended up being really good golf friends of mine. But um, I just thought that it was in bad taste, and so. Fast forward to this tournament that I played in, and the day starts off right from the get-go very badly. I get there, and I check in with our group, and I go down, and they said, you know, check in with the starter. Well, our group has our own starter. So we, we sign contracts with these golf courses. We have our own starter. We have our own director of the event that puts everything together and basically controls everything from the amount of tee times that we have purchased, okay? So I get down there, and I tell my starter that I'm there. Well, all of a sudden, this other starter from Cranberry comes in, and he's like, what's your tee time? I'm like, 10.39. Okay, you're over there in that cart. So I go put my bag on the cart, and the guy's like, do you know who your, do you know where your playing partner is? And I'm like, no, I don't know who my playing partner is. This is a handicapped match like I don't know who they've got you know who they got paired with me and I don't know who they are and right so I put my stuff on the bag or I put my bag on the cart and um, I go to the putting green I'm sitting over here putting next thing I know some guy comes over and takes my bag off the cart and takes off with the golf cart I'm, I'm sorry like, what yeah I'm like what what the heck's going on and so you know I sit there for a little while and I'm like, okay, whatever. And yeah, I continue to putt. Well, next thing I know, the our event starter comes over and says, hey, uh, your playing partners have not arrived at the course yet. Uh, we can't get a hold of them. Don't know when they're going to be here. Do you want to go off a little bit early? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. They said, well, there's a twosome on the tee. Go ahead, throw your clubs on that cart there, and go meet up with them. Okay. So... I do so, and I get over to the tee box, and all of a sudden, here comes the starter from Cranberry again. And he's yelling. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing with that cart? And I was like, I'm getting ready to tee off. And he was like, well, cart 64 is allotted to the 1120 tee time, and, you know, you can't take that cart. And I'm like, well, you need to speak with him because he told me to take it, yada, yada, yada. And, like, the guy's getting belligerent with me. So then he starts getting belligerent with our our event starter. Wow. And I'm like, is this really happening? So you know how I deal with this type of stuff. My blood's boiling. I'm, I'm about ready to just just 
call it a day and walk off. But, you know, I walked away, tried to keep my cool, stayed out of the situation. So they finally resolve everything. And he's like, well, from now on, you just tell me any changes that you're making. And so I'm, I'm heated. I would be too. Sideways. And I get on the first tee and we do the tee flip. And guess who goes first? <laughs> Gotta love Yours it. truly. So I proceed to get on the tee box. Blood's boiling. Can't see straight. Of course. And I slice one drastically to the right. And mind you, with this course, now let me back up and say this. This course is an absolute beautiful course, but it will test your patience because there sure. is fescue to the left and to the right, and in between the fescue and the fairway is extremely thick rough. Oh, no. Extremely thick. We're talking not the level of Torrey Pines, but... For a Thick. amateur golfer, just as penal. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So very penal rough. Um, and, and again, the golf course is absolutely beautiful. But anyways, I hit one in the fescue. I'm like, okay, I need to hit a provisional because I may not find that one, which turns out I didn't. And so my provisional, I ended up hitting just something to put out in the fairway. I think I hit maybe a, a three hybrid or something and had something setting to the left edge of the fairway. But I ended up tripling the first hole. Okay. I then go to the second hole, which is a wide open fairway. To the left, you got fescue. And to the right, to the far right, you have, you have woods. And somehow I find a way to put mine into woods. Tripled the second hole. Oh, goodness. We're six over after two. We're six over after two. Yikes. The third hole is a par three, about a hundred foot elevation drop par three. Water to the left, plenty of grass to play with to the right, but fescue in between. Okay. I came up short in the fescue. Oh no. Doubled that one. So now we're setting at eight over par after three holes. That's rough. I was livid, and and I never recovered, Rich. I, I never recovered, and as a matter of fact, we got to the ninth hole, and I actually asked my playing partners if I could DQ myself, because sure. I had I was that I was that fed up. And, Just wanted uh, to walk off. Listen, we've been there. Yeah, I turned in a fifty-three oh, on the front nine. That's rough. And so at this point, I'm like, you know, there's no need me playing. Well, I went to the rules committee, and the rules official told me, you can DQ yourself, but in your handicap, you're going to have to record stroke limit for all the holes you didn't play. Wow. So, which I get it. I, I understand. They're trying to not have people, you know, skirt their handicaps because we do have to put them in as competition. But Sure. So at that juncture, I'm like, well, I might as well just play it out and try to enjoy the day, right? There you go. So you take the pressure off, just enjoy the golf course. Took the pressure off, just went out and enjoyed the golf course. Ended up going out and shooting a 45 on the back nine, so improved came a in, Came in at a, yeah, that's much better. It, it was all about keeping 100 off the scorecard at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> set, a, set a goal and made it. Yeah, yeah, it was all about keeping 100 off the card. So, and, and I chalked that up as a little bit of, success but it's like you said you'd take that pressure off and everything but if you go back to that whole human error thing that we've been talking about for quite some time and you look at that the error trap of rushing mm -hmm. i don't know what i was rushing and i was frustrated so i was in two different error modes there oh 100 and i've if i'm going to continue to play in competitive golf i've got to figure out how to overcome those we i think we've got a good tool for you know when you're in a lie that you haven't done before a non-standard lie like how how we talked about you can monitor your divot to check and see if you've got you know the predicted outcome you're looking for but in those situations i don't know what you do uh it's i, I think it's one of the non-controllables i don't i don't think that there's a way to really control it outside of mental toughness um because you know, frustration is, is one of the, you know, one of the, the, the biggest 
you know, non-controllable uh, variables in our lives, right? You can get frustrated over just about anything. And you can't just, like, stress and frustration is not something that you can just dump. Like, I, you know, if, if, if I'm in a situation where I'm uncomfortable, I can change the situation. But if you're stressed about that situation, you can, it's hard to change the stress level in that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it is, I don't know. Our, one of our friends gave me a really good piece of advice, and I've, I haven't really thought about trying to do it yet. But uh, he told me, he's like, one of the things I do to take the edge off, he's like, because if I'm playing with you guys, the first thing I do when we get to hole number one is I crack open a beer. If I do that when I'm playing competition, it just helps take the edge off. And I'm like, never really thought about it, but you might be on to something there. <laughs> so, so the, um, I, I do in tournament golf, I've started doing something similar. Um, and, and it's going to sound, you know, hippy dippy or whatever, but you are a hippie at heart. I am kind <laughs> of, I, I, I can get really, I can get really crunchy. Um, I hit the CBD, man. I'm telling you, it, it's, uh, it's something that, that takes the edge off for me. Um, I have a little CBD vape. I never use it outside of competition golf. Um, or if I'm really, really stressed after a work day, which doesn't happen a whole lot, but first tee jitters, if you have, you know, if you have a quick beer or two, and I know what friend you're talking about because I, I've, I've seen it change his mindset firsthand in tournament golf um yeah you, you have a couple beers right before the first tee you're, you're walking up to the first tee without any stress in you uh or if you hit your cbd pin while you're while you're putting like i'm or even cbd gummies um and i don't think that that's an unfair advantage it just takes that that like that feeling of Oh crap! I'm gonna have people. You know, the starter's gonna be looking at me, and all the guys who are getting ready to tee off are gonna be looking at me, and what's gonna happen? Um, you know, it it just takes that. It kind of takes it out of out of play for you. Yeah, it, it's an interesting concept. I hadn't really thought about a lot, but uh, and, and by no means are we advocating go out there and get sloshed or uh, no. high before a round. But you know, there no. are there are interesting ways to uh you know to cope with stress and and the you know first tee jitters of competition and we'll continue to to play with those things and see if we can get creative so absolutely well i'm glad you kept 100 off the scorecard that's uh that i think i think you chalk that up as a win g i really do um you know i that that was my big thing with the golf trip. I knew that I, I wasn't playing well after the second round. I knew that the other two rounds that I was going to play or the other three rounds that I was going to play were not going to be good. My only goal was to not post triple digits. And I didn't. And I, I like, I came off of a disaster of a golf trip feeling like I had won a little bit because I had done the one objective that I didn't want to do. And that was keep a hundred off the, off the card. Yeah. I think the other thing to, to take away from my competitive rounds is the fact that a when you're playing in these competitions like if i'm if me and you are playing we play the whites because we know we have no freaking business playing the blues no there's very few courses that i play the blues on but when i'm playing in competition i'm forced play to blues. play the blues <laughs> gotta play it yep. so so that that's something that i've got to figure out i guess if i'm prepping for competition I need to force myself to play the blues, but if I'm, you, do. you know, playing recreationally, like, you know, case in point, a lot of people go to Beth Page Black and they, they say, oh, we're going to play it from the tips, or Kiowa Island, they say, oh, we're going to play it from the tips. Like, we have no business ever playing those courses from the tips. <laughs> I'd shoot hundred. I'd shoot 125. Yeah. And so, hate myself. So I, I feel like that we're realistic, but at the same time, I, I've got to find a happy medium there of how to practice and prep to to do that and and still uh, I I don't know I I gotta enjoy myself but at the same time you know be realistic you would think that the handicap would do that on its own like it would slope it but I feel like it really doesn't I I know it's supposed to with the tees it doesn't 
And, and it's an, here's an interesting fact: the uh, that Avalon Club that that we played, mm-hmm. they actually told us we would have to manually enter our scores because Avalon is actually redoing their course rating and slope rating because they didn't feel it was accurate in the USGA system. So they're not even in the Gen system right now. Oh wow! So I feel like there's probably a lot of other courses that need to do that, mm-hmm. and and that would fix that problem, but. Um, yeah, fat chance for that happening. Yeah, you never know. Time, times are changing a little bit, but uh, they they definitely are. You're right, and they there. It seems like the USGA is wanting to make golf a little more approachable, which is cool. I yep. like that. Yep. So you know, the last thing I want to chalk up with the the cranberry round is just if there's people on here that are listening and you have any association whatsoever with a golf course be considerate of your golfers especially if they're there playing an event we know you have a job to do we know that there are you know things that are important to the golf course and things of that nature but you know be courteous to your be courteous to your players be mindful that they're getting ready to go out and play around and that your attitude can dictate how the rest of their day turns out 100 percent and and you know at the end of the day tournament or not golfers are play, paying good money to come in and play on your course absolutely so there so. is one more thing that okay. i want to talk about and it is in regards to competitive golf and you and i have talked about we just need to continue to compete we need to you just got to yep. put yourself in those situations right continually take yourself out of your comfort zone and and play and play competitive golf so i've got an idea for even when you and i are playing together i know we always say oh you know we're just here to have fun and this and that but let's face it rich every time that you and i play we're playing each other we are (laughs) no symbiotic no symbiotic partnership no at all so I went back into the memory bank here a little bit. Oh. Do you remember a show back in the early 2000s, about 2002 to be exact, on Comedy Central that was a set of brothers that used to play for a coveted prize against each other? I do. <laughs> I do. Okay. I, so number one, I cannot find, and you could take a stab at this, but I cannot find any evidence of that show's existence whatsoever online. I've got to find it. I've got to find it. Um, so without without letting the cat out of the bag on the name, this was the the Murray brothers, Bill Murray mm-hmm. and his brothers. There was a show on Comedy Central where they toured the U.S. and played different courses periodically, and they had a coveted prize that they played for, and that prize was the Braggarts Cup. Gotta love the Braggarts Cup. So, Rich, I have went to the trophy store. No, you have not. I have went to the trophy store, and I have purchased... A cup. Stop it. Sir, breaking news starting today. When you and I play, from here on out, we're playing for the Braggarts Cup. Let's go. Let's go right now. <laughs> we're bringing Let's it. go. We are bringing it back, brother. We, we, we <sighs> are playing for the Braggarts Cup from here on out. So... There will be rules. I haven't established exactly what those will be. We can sit down and determine those. Totally fine. But you and I, sir, are now on the quest, the forever quest, of playing of the, Braggarts the Braggarts Cup. Cup. So, <laughs> so wait a minute. <laughs> if one of us dies before the other, does that mean the other person wins? Is the eternal <laughs> champion. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. No, if I die, if I die with the cup, I'm getting buried with it. You better believe I'm getting buried with the Braggarts Cup. <laughs> this is the best thing. This is the best thing to happen in a long time. This is perfect. This yes. is perfect. 
We are playing for the Braggarts Cup. Matter of fact, I think we should get T-shirts made up of it. We play for the Braggarts Cup. <laughs> Cinderella story. It's like a play on We Are Marshall. We play for championships. We, we play, play for the Braggarts for Cup. The Braggarts Cup. <laughs> Listen, I, you took care of the you, you took care of the the cup. I can take care of some T-shirts. Okay, I love it. So. So we're going to have to do some milling around and uh, contemplating when our, our first round for the Braggarts Cup is going to be. Well, it's um, got, we've got to have a round before the end of this year. Um, oh, I know we'll have several you, rounds by the end of this year. What are you talking about? I love what you're – I love where you're going with this. So I know you've got a big big end of the month. Uh, you know, folks, folks Garen's got, got some big life-changing stuff coming up. Uh, so we'll probably hit you guys back mid-september hopefully we have at least one round in by then that would that would fingers crossed we can make that happen i think we can make that happen no reason why the first braggarts cup match and so you and i need to talk about rules offline which we will and once we hammer rules out we'll let you guys know how this comes out no no touching of the hair or face (laughs) i mean i mean that's a given that's a given right right (laughs) all right folks appreciate you all tuning in today Until the next time, you all get out and hit them straight and keep on hacking. What up, folks? This is the Pittsburgh Golf Hack, and you're listening to the official podcast. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is your boy, the Pittsburgh Golf Hack. We gotta stay, gotta stay consistent, baby. Well, I actually got feedback that said that uh, I should drop the boy because why do I have to be a boy? Why can't I be a man? <laughs> Merman. Okay, cool. Either way, it don't matter. All right, I've we'll, got the black lung pop. We'll, we'll roll. We'll roll old school. I don't care. Let's do it. I don't even care. I don't even, I don't even care. You don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> All right. You ready? Let's do it.